Two men were traveling together on an airplane. One was taking a nap, and the other was busy working on a crossword puzzle. He nudged his napping friend and asked, What is a word with three letters with the letter O in the middle, meaning man's best friend? His friend mumbled, Dog. But dog didn't fit. He worked at the puzzle a little longer and then said, The last letter is D. Even with the two letters OD in a three-letter word describing man's best friend, they never did think of the first letter as being G. For several weeks, our quest has been to find out how we can face all the days of our life. The 23rd Psalm has been our source for finding the answer to that question. As we come to the final words and verse of the psalm, we end up where we started, with the Lord. From his opening words to his closing thoughts, David has shared his secret to facing all the days of his life. He has given us more than a manual how-tos and more than a list of do's and don'ts. His philosophy has not been grin and bear it or just tie a knot in the rope and hang on. He has given us several secrets to facing all the days of our life, and they all find their source in a three-letter word that means man's best friend. And you spell that word G-O-D, God. When we think about the days of our life and the many paths that life takes us down, it makes us eternally grateful that we can say, The Lord is my shepherd. As for me, I am thankful that I have not had to face life without the Lord. Aren't you glad you can say with the hymn writer, I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. When we come to David's final thoughts in Psalm 23, we find him thinking about what it has meant to have the Lord with him all the days of his life. In Psalm 23, verse 6, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guy King, in his commentary on Psalm 23, describes the scene in verse 6 as the nightfall reflection. David thinks of the days behind him, the days before him, and the days beyond him. And as he does so, I can imagine him looking up toward heaven and saying, Hallelujah, what a Savior. As we come to the final words of Psalm 23, it makes us look at the past, the present, and into the future. And when we look at all these days of our life, we find ourselves joining David and saying, Hallelujah, what a shepherd. Let's consider these final words, and if anything, they ought to fill us with even greater affection and even greater gratitude so that we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. As we reflect with David, we first look behind us, and as we do so, we will see that a look at the days behind us fills us with adoration. As David looks behind him, he sees that there have been a couple of very special companions that have accompanied him all the days of his life. Throughout the psalm, he has portrayed the shepherd as always being in front of his flock. He has always been leading the sheep, never driving them, thus always in front. 
But now, his reflection makes him aware that goodness and mercy have been behind him every day of his life. The great Welsh preacher J.D. Jones referred to those two companions, mercy and goodness. He referred to those two companions as the rear guard. Another preacher and Bible scholar, F.B. Meyer, called them heavenly escorts and two bright-faced angels who watch over every child of God. Guy King likened goodness and mercy to sheepdogs. He wrote, He, the Lord, is in front and the sheepdogs behind, and we, His sheep, are happily sandwiched in between. The Lord now leads us all the days of our life, but as well, those two heavenly sheepdogs named goodness and mercy have been following us all the days of our life. As Charles Spurgeon said, these twin guardian angels will always be at my back and back. As David looks behind him, he is looking back, taking a look at the past days of his life. And as he does, he sees that goodness and mercy have followed him all the days of his life. First, let's consider the matter of goodness. In this word and idea, we see the Lord's control of all things. The word goodness describes that which is good. It is very enlightening and insightful when you find the same Hebrew word translated best or better at other times in the Bible. When David looks back and sees that goodness has followed him all the days of his life, he is echoing the New Testament promise found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. When David looks back, he sees black days as well as bright days. He sees days that are delightful, but also days that were distressful. There have been many things that were disappointing, discouraging, and difficult. There had been many of those valley experiences. Yet, as David reflects on those days, he realizes that everything that happened had been for his good. The valleys had led to the tableland, the higher country. Life had been a mixture of events and happenings, yet they all had worked together for his good. There is a story of a little boy telling his grandmother how everything was going wrong. Meanwhile, his grandmother was baking a cake. She asked, Would you like to have a snack? Yes, was his quick reply. Here, said the grandmother, have some cooking oil. Yuck, said the little boy. How about a couple of raw eggs, asked the grandmother. Would you like some flour or maybe some baking soda? Grandma, said the little boy, all those things are yucky. The grandmother then replied, yes, all those things seem bad by themselves, but when they are put together in the right way, they make a wonderful, delicious cake. She went on to explain how God takes the bad things in life and turns them into something good for us. We can look back at the difficult experiences of life, and at the time, we did not think or consider them good or beneficial. Yet as we look back now, we see how God took those experiences and He used them to bring untold blessings and untold benefits into our life. The days that were laden with the heaviest burdens have resulted in some of our greatest blessings. When Joseph revealed himself to his brethren, we find him in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 telling them this, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good 
to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. In those words, he reminded his brothers of what they did with him and to him. Yet instead of looking back with bitterness, he sees it all as a blessing, for all of it had been a part of God's plan for his life and worked for his good and the good of others. Joseph looked back and recognized the control of God over all the circumstances of his life. As we look back, we see that goodness has followed us all the days of our life. Our Lord has been in control of all that has happened. And even though at the time His face was hidden, now we see His handprint, His fingerprints on it all. Nothing, absolutely nothing, has happened in our life that first was not filtered through God's love and through His plan for our life. He is in control of all things. Goodness has followed us all the days of our life. It may take several days or even years to see it, but we all can look back and see how all things have worked together for our good. But not only has goodness followed us all the days of our life, so too is mercy. In mercy, in that word mercy, we see the Lord's compassion at all times. It has been suggested that David had more to fear about the past than he did the future. There had not only been difficulty in David's life, but there had been failure. His failures are well marked and well known. Even though he was a man after God's own heart, he had not lived a squeaky clean life. There were some dark and dirty stains on his past. Do you not think that David often recalled his sins of the past with great shame and sorrow? He even confessed in Psalm 51 verse 3 that his sins were ever before him. No doubt, more than once, David had said to himself, Why did I do what I did? How could I have been so stupid? What was I thinking? Yet as he looks back, he sees that mercy has followed him all the days of his life. When he failed God, God did not cast him off or turn him away. As his shepherd, he did not seek to sell him and offer him to the first shepherd that came along. He did not look down at him and say, Oh, rebellious straying lamb, you can no longer be a part of my flock. When David wandered, he did not leave him and turn his back on him. No, ten thousand times no, the Lord did not do so. Instead, David found mercy. No doubt David had many times prayed the prayer of Psalm 25 and verse 7. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. And as he reflected on his past, he realized that mercy had flowed from the compassion of the Lord and had been there at every turn and at all times. I am sure that you, just as I, wish we could undo many things in the past, especially our sins and failures. How I wish there was a time machine that could take us back in time in order to get a second chance to relive our days or a magical eraser that could remove those days from the calendar of our life. Robert J. Morgan wrote, There is no R on the stick shift, no reverse in the gears. Time never moves backward, not an inch, not a step, never. The hands of the clock always move clockwise and the pages of the calendar are torn off in one direction. Therefore, a deed once done can never be undone. A word spoken can never be unsaid. 
An opportunity missed cannot be reclaimed in exactly the same way. As a result, all of us live with certain regrets. Even though we may not be able to get a second chance to live our lives, our God is the God of the second chance. He is not without mercy. When we look at the many times we sin and fail the Lord, yet realize that He still leads us, still cares for us, protects and provides for us, and loves us as much as any sheep in His flock, we have to say, mercy has followed us all the days of our life. In spite of our failures, the Lord did not disown us, forsake us, abandon us, or turn His back on us. Instead, He showed us mercy, and in His compassion brought us back to where He could bless and even use us again. In David's prayer of repentance for his great sins, he prayed, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And you know, he found the mercy he asked for, and God did blot out his transgressions. Therefore he could say in Psalm 66, verse 20, Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Robert L. Moyer wrote, Think of what David saw when he looked back. Think of the bitter memory of adultery and murder. Any man with such a past might well be filled with fear. Let me ask you, what about your past? I sometimes shudder when I think of my own sinful past, and yet when I turn to look at that past, between the past and the present stand goodness and mercy. How it fills our heart with adoration to see that goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our life. We can only lift our heart and our voice and bless the name of the Lord that has been in control of all things in our life and has been compassionate at all times. Before I move on, I must point out that the word surely, as in surely goodness and mercy, that word surely literally means only. When we look back, we have to say that only goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our lives. There has never been a moment or a situation that goodness and mercy were not at work in our lives. God has seen to it that all things have worked together for our good. Thus, only goodness has followed us. God has always been merciful, and His mercy endureth forever, as Psalm 106 verse 1 declares. Therefore, only mercy has followed us. Surely, and only goodness and mercy has followed us all the days of our life. When we look behind us, we see that heaven's sheepdogs, goodness and mercy, have been there every day of all our days. The second thing I see David thinking on in his closing words is the days before him. As we look with David at the days that are before us, we see that a look at the days before us fills us with appreciation. As David speaks of goodness and mercy, he does not speak of this heavenly rear guard as just companions of the past, he does not say, surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. He says that they shall follow him all the days of his life. These blessed friends that have followed him in the past would also follow him in the days to come. As David describes goodness and mercy following him, he speaks of how they will consistently follow us. How long will goodness and mercy follow us? They will follow us all the days of our life. Myers speaks of all the days and the kind of days that will come. 
There are the spring days when all the world shall be full of glad young life. There are the summer days in which the year shall have reached its glorious prime and golden light. There are autumn days when the fields shall be filled with sheaves of corn and the rich produce of the year. As well as these days, there are the winter days when we gather around the graveside of the departed glory of the year and lay it to dust. Yet it matters not if the day we are living in is spring, summer, autumn, or winter, for goodness and mercy shall be following us. Meyer asks, what lies in the course of the years? Will the days be golden, lit by heaven's warm sunny glow? Will they be red letter, not only in the usual sense of the word, but because they are stained with the blood of suffering and sacrifice? Will they be drab, attired in somber tints, dark and sad? What do the days ahead have in store for us? That we do not know, but Meyer's concluding words say it best, but there will never come a day throughout all the future in which we shall not have the two guardian angels, heavenly escorts, and God-sent messengers, goodness and mercy, to attend the believer during all the days of his earthly pilgrimage. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, no matter what those days may hold. Goodness and mercy never take a day off. They never take a vacation. Every day of all our days, they are following us and will be following us. But as well, we see they will not only be consistently following us, but persistently following us. David says these companions will follow us all the days of our life. The word follow there is a very interesting word. That Hebrew word means to pursue or to hunt. One has translated the verse this way, Goodness and mercy shall pursue us, dogging our footsteps. It is not just that goodness and mercy are following us and will follow us, but also that they are pursuing us and hunting for the chance to work on our behalf. It was these words that gave Francis Thompson the idea for his poem, The Hound of Heaven. It is a lengthy poem, but the first four lines read thus, I fled him down the night and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. This marvelous poem speaks of a seeking and redeeming love of God that pursues sinners through the years and through their sinful lives with the objective of rescuing and saving them. The sinner seeks to escape, but the love of God will not let him go ever after him as the hound of heaven. Goodness and mercy are the hounds of heaven ever pursuing us, hunting us, seeking to bring into our lives that which they want to bring and can bring. I love what R.L. Moyer said. Thirty-two years ago, when the writer was saved, God said to those servants named Goodness and Mercy, Get on His trail. Never let Him out of your sight. Pursue Him to glory. As we face the days that are ahead, goodness and mercy will not only follow us, but will pursue us. To think of how goodness and mercy has followed us all the days of our past life and will follow us, yea, pursue us in future days, ought to fill our hearts with gratitude and appreciation. No matter what the future holds, the Lord will be in front of us and goodness and mercy will be nipping on our heels. And lastly, we see David taking a look at the days beyond him. 
As we look at the days beyond us, we see that a look at the days beyond us fills us with anticipation. A little boy named John had been promised a new puppy for his sixth birthday. He was taken to a local pound, and there were so many dogs and puppies that he had a hard time choosing which one he wanted. Finally, he picked one of the shaggiest pups in the lot that was standing there wagging his tail furiously. His mom asked, why that one? He replied, I want the one with the happy ending. You talk about a happy ending. David's closing thoughts takes him beyond all the days of his life here on earth. His closing thoughts are on another world altogether. He not only thinks about all the days of his life, but also the days of the life that is yet to come. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David does not speak of a tent or a place of lodging. He thinks of a house. He sees the days that are beyond as the days when he gets home. William Avery Rogers described how each year in the Holy Land there came a time when the weather conditions hindered the shepherd and the sheep from staying out on the open range and in the temporary fold. When this time came, the shepherd turned his sheep toward his own home where he had made for them a more permanent place. He also described how the sheep would know they were home for they would jump about and swish their tails with joy. Yes, one day, the chief shepherd will bring his sheep home. And what a glorious day that will be. What kind of a home will it be? First, let me say that it is a future home. David said, I will dwell. There he is looking ahead into the future and the day when he would dwell in the house of the Lord. We think about this life and all that this life often brings our way. This life, as we've repeatedly seen, is often marked by dark and difficult days. But there is coming a day when we will say goodbye to this life and all its troubles and trials, hurts and heartaches, suffering and sorrow, and will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank God this life is not all there is. There awaits for every child of God a future home. In John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, he describes Christian and hopeful as they came in view of the heavenly city. He writes, drawing near to the city, they had yet a more perfect view thereof. It was built of pearls and precious stones. Also the streets thereof were paved with gold, so that by reason of the natural glory of the city and the reflection of the sunbeams upon it, Christian, with desire, fell sick. Hopeful also had a fit or two of the same disease. You know, folks, I believe that as David thought about the day when he would dwell in the house of the Lord, he had a fit or two of the same disease. You know what? I occasionally had a fit like that myself. When I think of how one day we will trade this world for a new one, trade this life for a far greater one, how can we not fall sick with desire and occasionally have a fit or two of the same disease? Secondly, David also saw that his future home was a final home. David said he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word dwell means to sit down and remain. David was not talking about a place he would visit. He was talking about a place that he was going to move in and where he was going to live for how long? Forever. As we think about facing the days that are ahead, let me remind you that no matter what the days ahead may hold, there is a better day coming for those who are saved. So can I ask you a question that I've asked several times over the past several weeks? Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd, 
I'm not asking if you have read the 23rd Psalm. I'm not asking if you've heard the name of Jesus. I'm not asking if you were confirmed or baptized or prayed some prayer. I'm asking if you know for certain in your heart that Jesus is your Savior and that He is your Lord. Have you placed all your faith and trust in Him for your salvation? You are not trusting in church membership or some ritual like baptism for your salvation. Neither are you trusting in your good works. Your only hope is placed in the finished work of redemption by Jesus Christ. Jesus made it quite clear in John 3.16. There He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know that God says that the only thing you can earn is condemnation and eventually an eternity separated from God in hell? Listen to what he says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can only earn spiritual death in hell, but the gift of God is eternal life. You can only receive the gift of eternal life by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. The choice is yours. If you call on the Lord and ask Him to forgive you for your sins and to save you, then you can be assured that all the days of your life, the Lord your shepherd will be with you and will take care of you. And when we come to the end of our journey, He will take us home and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The only thing I can think of as I come to the end of our study of Psalm 23 is, Hallelujah, what a shepherd. Hallelujah, what a Savior.